All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Good Newscast. It's good to have you listening. I know we took a brief uh, pause in some recordings, just have had a lot going on. Um, I'm Colin uh, Coates. I'm here with Jeff Hatton. Colin. Jeff's the senior pastor at Redeemer in Waco. I work here as well, so we've just had just had a lot going on. Um, so we're going to wrap up uh, today uh, this kind of series on uh, race and uh, racism because we had a gap. I'm sure there's probably some like significant thing we didn't cover. <laughs> sure of it. That's like, how do yeah. you not talk about this? And, right. um, but anyway, uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up. We, and here's how we're going to wrap this up. We, um, we put out, Jeff wrote a paper. I kind of collaborated w- with him and they like, um, uh, correcting spelling and things like that. <laughs> the has one E or uh, not two things like that. Uh, we put nice. that uh, out um, just as a resource. We've been doing these podcasts. We've been having constant conversations in person, emails, whatever it is. We've experienced everything from the vitriol um, to to really good, great conversations um, with people from all different kind of backgrounds and uh, whatnot. So what uh, we're going to do here is kind of riff a little bit on just what we're learning, what we have learned, um, particularly um, not only about the topic of racism in in America, but also just the whole, for me, I think a lot of what's on my mind is just the whole dialogue, the whole conversation in general. Yeah, like like the process of this whole thing. The whole process of like how the church is even just dealing with it. Yeah, that's good. And talking about it. So I'll let you start... um, Jeff, to just kind of riff, I've got some notes I jotted as we kind of prepped that I might right. remind you of, but um, just to get your thoughts on what what have you seen uh, on the on the topic or the process of how it's being dealt with? Uh, yeah, one of the things that's been most uh, enlightening, I guess you could say, or even just intriguing for me, is the whole uh, the whole discussion on systemic racism, the whole discussion on uh, what that means, what that looks like, and how do we see it embodied in our culture today? And um, what's been fascinating for me is in discussions, there seems to be a, uh, an academic uh, or from uh, a particular aspect of a church community, both of them kind of together, that uh, systemic racism is more talked about in terms of the color of someone's skin, like this is where the whiteness comes in and the white supremacy language comes in, um, that that is more easily recognizable and uh, where the conversation usually goes in, in terms of this is what systemic racism is. And it's, it's, to, it's to say things like you just can't get beyond your whiteness. Um, uh, being white inherently has an unconscious bias. And then again, the notion that uh, of a, a race identity as opposed to a Jesus identity, um, a given identity, a received identity from God rooted in image bearing, that that discussion combined with uh, notions of power, where power becomes the lens by which we see the world and interpret reality. And so everything is is then pushed into race and pushed into power. And that's where the conversation of systemic racism goes to. And that's where lots of some folks uh, would recognize it as critical race theory. And uh, lots of ink has been spilled on that. And and while I'm 
perfectly willing to engage that conversation and perfectly willing to even try to understand more about what that is meant in that conversation. Okay, can you help me understand that just a little bit more? I'm trying to get my mind and heart around that. And then how does that specifically embody itself? And how do you actually uh, fix that? How does that area get in biblical language? How do you repent of that? And then what are you repenting to? What are you turning towards and all of that? And then, um, but then in the midst of that conversation, I, I have wanted to pursue this that seems to be, but, but what about the more concrete realities of systemic racism that consistently fly under the radar that that's not talked about when mm-hmm. we enter this discussion mm-hmm. today uh, and it's passed over uh, mostly again and and uh, this conversation and this understanding in this community uh, like you know very real racist solidly declared uh, policies back with mm-hmm. Lyndon B Johnson to financially incentivize uh, the breakup of the black family by having black women marry the state. And the demographics and the statistics and all of that bears out. Uh, The intactness of the black family before that and the uh, disruption and wreckage of the black family after that. And, And everyone acknowledges that the wreckage of a divine created institution, whether it be the church or whether it be marriage or whether it be the family or whether it be like gravity, you go against gravity, you're going to get hurt. So that would have tremendous consequences in wrecking folks. Uh, And then other policies of incentivizing, uh, well-rewarding, consistent uh, state-run school failure and blocking choice school mm-hmm. choice to actually betterment that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I'm, I'm just baffled by that. And then uh, and the systemic racist policies that just keep poverty going mm-hmm. generation after generation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm always struck, well, let's talk about that. Uh, and then we, we need to get to, and it seems to be a very difficult conversation for many today, and that is the systematic murder of unborn black babies mm-hmm. and the decline in the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are statistics out there of what's happening in terms of the population drop mm-hmm. in the black community. So I'm like, that to me is concrete, embodied systemic racism mm-hmm. that continuously flies under the radar that nobody right. talks about while we talk about these notions again, of critical race theory and power dynamics and whiteness that are just so hard to pin down. And, and then honestly, just even in the course of the past seven months, those definitions and even the books that come out kind of reshape them and redefine them constantly. Mm-hmm. So that one book says this and then another book says that, so they're not even agreeing with each other uh, or they have a different angle to it, which is fine because that happens everywhere. Uh, but there's noticeable redefining, and what right. we've been saying, the goalpost just keeps moving. It gets harder and harder to actually, well, what is this, right? Well, on the other side, though, you have this clear-cut systemic racism mm-hmm. uh, that no one's talking about in the communities that seem to be involved with this certain idea of whiteness and white supremacy. However, though, what's so interesting to me 
in the black community, this is being talked about. Mm -hmm. In the black community, it's absolutely felt. Mm -hmm. And there are more pastors and church leaders and civil rights activists that are actually identifying these things more than the topics some other folks would like to talk about. Mm -hmm. So my question is, why is that? Right. I just want to know why. And, um, and would it be more constructive and more helpful to address those issues mm-hmm. uh, than the other areas that are like jello? You just can't pin it down. Mm-hmm. That's you, my... you, uh, well, I'll play good cop, bad cop with you. Sure. We, you didn't agree on this, but you're forced into it. You posed the question tactfully and i'll kind of be the the bull in the china shop and say i think that um it's because the church is so much more influenced by the world than they seem to understand so i know for years i can almost call the shots that if the world um is not so right now the world cares deeply about um eradicating racism right this is wonderful (laughs) yeah this is wonderful. This is like a common grace. Without a doubt. The world is in agreement that like this, the world would be way better without racism. Racism is appalling. We're in complete agreement. Um, and God led the way with this whole idea, Yeah. by the way, in the Bible. Um, however, you can almost call the shot to say, okay, um, the world doesn't want to talk about abortion. They don't want to talk about abortion so badly that even though it's it's maybe one of the last truly, um, it's legal. This is right. what trips me up. It is legal. Um, it is legal to to kill your child in America. It was founded um, on on a racist idea. Yeah, like it wasn't just about general abortion. No. It, it is it is truly uh, systemic racism. A, a targeted. That, and that's ha- and how do we do that? I mean, we just make it really, really clear. Yeah, so, so Margaret, Margaret Sanger. Yeah, I mean, we have quotes. Raging racist. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Right. So, um, uh, but, but, but yet it seems to perfectly line up with the whole conversation about racism and injustice and social justice, and yet nobody wants to touch it. The, what I would call the woke world doesn't want to touch it, but I see that even in, in churches. I, I I see that in woke church leaders who n- do not want to talk ab- about abortion. You know, they do not want to talk about it. Or, or sorry, I shouldn't say they don't want to talk about it. I'll say this. They don't. They right. just don't. Right. And so it doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, well, it, it the Bible would definitely move you to talk about this reality. It's a legal thing. Right. You know, if it was illegal... It's so still a, something. And to when talk you about. say legal, that means it's a system. It is a legit yeah. legal system protected under law. Right. Um, and yet, so so I've seen that. That why is that? That that the woke world in the church isn't talking about certain things. I, I mean, honestly, one of the simple answers. Well, the world's not like. For instance, why isn't the woke world in the church talking about fatherlessness? It is a. It is a. Uh, it's an epidemic it, it, across all, uh, by the way, across all religions, all skin colors, et cetera. Right. The world doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Right. right. You see Black Lives Matter Incorporated talk about the value of mothers, but they completely ignore the whole reality of fatherhood. Yep. F- 
fathers are now seen as villains, whatever we, we could go down that road. Well, man, that is such a, a stable family is such a key to someone's flourishing in life. Right. And yet it is something we should be talking about. It is something we should be working for. Um, and yet totally ignored uh, again. I'm just, I'm just really echoing. Uh, I'm saying the same thing you're saying that there's these, one thing I've seen and you've seen is on the topic of systemic racism or, or uh, oppression or, or social injustice. There's these massive gaping holes yeah. in the conversation that it's very perplexing to you and me, how they're not being talked about. Right. So even like the, I mean, what happens in the urban cities over and over again and children being murdered and the violence that's taking place in those areas. I mean, again, this is all legit systemic racism, Yeah. right? That these policies that have led to this type of uh, breakdown of the family, breakdown of meaningful work, breakdown in um, a society and a culture, uh, just a a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we would like, I mean, one of the things I think I've gained or, or, uh, has deepened my conviction is addressing that. Uh, mm-hmm. and again, I'm mm-hmm. certainly willing to, to listen and try to understand even further what these newer definitions of systemic racism right. are from white fragility, whiteness, white supremacy. Uh, and again, uh, I would ask, like in our conversation, I would ask folks to actually think and push to the roots of some of those belief systems, like what shapes those belief systems. Um, and when you do talk, obviously everyone, and it's maybe it's said so much today that nobody listens to it, but clearly uh, a Marxist understanding of the world is rooted in power. Right. Everything was power. Even even if it's like you want to help the poor, um, if that was its original intent, it still, it, it elevated your identity to power. It elevated your view of the world to power. It elevated your way of defining realities to mm-hmm. power. And so then it's the powerful and the powerless. It's mm-hmm. the oppressed and the oppressor. And, and uh, I'm, I don't understand how, uh, particularly in the church, that... A root system of ideas and a, a, a race-formed identity and a power way of viewing the world, and the implications of that aren't checked mm-hmm. a little better. Mm-hmm. That's been puzzling yeah. uh, at, through these past whatever six, yeah. seven, eight months that yeah. we've been going through. I've all, I've, I've really like when we started this conversation. We started with the gospel. We started with. Uh, your identity being rooted in Jesus and his mm-hmm. salvation, where the Bible does, and then try to work out the implications of that in all these different areas. For me personally, I would want to ask uh, those that think differently, to particularly the church, to actually kind of push into that more, push into that, and what would the implications be between uh, developing an identity based on your race or an identity based on your power versus an identity based on grace Mm -hmm. versus an identity that's received, not achieved. Mm -hmm. And what kind of even policies would you get from that? How would that inform your policies? How would that inform your understanding of what sin is, race is, racism is in the gospel? Uh, I think that even starting there would be so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's what we've tried to do. Uh, but also in our conversation, it seems that 
the categories of understanding what's happening have been so solidified and so codified and so systematized that if you don't fit into the popular understanding and interpretation of of what's happening, you're already silenced. Mm -hmm. You're already like, oh, it's just whiteness, Mm -hmm. right? Right. He can't get beyond his whiteness. Right. Um, So we're back to that understanding, right? Right. Which is rooted in another understanding. And uh, we're just asking, I know I'm asking as a pastor and I'm asking as a, a minister of the gospel for the church to be more thoughtful about how the gospel actually helps us and defines mm-hmm. reality for us in terms of race and culture mm-hmm. and even racism and justice, the very things we're talking about, which would then bring into this discussion, obviously, the importance of a racist system of systematically mm-hmm. 67% of abortion clinics are in black neighborhoods, mm-hmm. systematically murdering unborn black babies mm-hmm. uh, to where the population is decreasing. Um, that seems really obvious, right. seems really concrete, and it seems like we could and should be doing everything we can to yeah. stop that. Yeah. So there's two things I, I um, noted, one or two things. Um, we'll see if I, I keep my train of thought. But, you know, one thing I think I, I kind of noticed in some of, especially with the paper, and some of the response to the paper is, um, you know, our, our paper talks about our identity in Christ and, you know, what is justice really? Like, just kind of some of these, like, basic definitions. Yeah. And there, seemed to, there seems to be this kind of vibe, at least critical, if the vibe is critical in response, that's almost like, no, 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 like, you're missing the point. Um, this isn't, like, what we're talking about. You know, of course we find our identity in Christ, this sort of thing. And I found that it's... Um, that that response almost betrays, like, you didn't, I, I feel like sometimes uh, the person didn't, like, listen hard enough um, to to what we're saying, or maybe they're not taking into account what's being said from the woke world enough. Um, like, it's, it's kind of the whole Marxism, like, as an example, you know, it's like, you, the second you say Marxism, a lot of the woke world is like, whoa, 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 like, I'm not a Marxist, and that's such right. a ridiculous... It's like, well, if it walks like a Marxist, talks like a Marxist, like maybe you didn't read Marx, but I'm sure like his ideas aren't completely unique to himself. I'm sure his ideas will pop up elsewhere. Without a doubt. Um, so just because you didn't read him and, and all that doesn't mean that what's going on doesn't doesn't reek of of a lot of his ideas. Right. And a lot of what Black Lives Matter Incorporated is doing reek of that as well. You think about um, a, a podcast I like just thinking they do a ton of great research whether you agree with them or not, they do a ton of great research. And I think they yeah. found like zero dollars had been given from Black Lives Matter Incorporated, who's trafficking, like they're receiving millions of dollars of donations. Mm. Like I think zero had been given to a lot of the victims, uh, a lot of these um, uh, black families. And, and uh, you think of people like Breonna Taylor and her yeah. family. Yeah. Um, zero dollars. So the question is, where's that money going and what are they actually trying to do? And I agree with the guys on just thinking that it's really not about the value of a black life and it's about something bigger and this kind of uh, revolution that, that they seem to be inciting um, anyways. But point being is what we're saying in that paper about finding your identity in Christ really is the solution. Like the solution is not let's redefine ourselves in just kind of like a different kind of racist way, or let's redefine ourselves according to like a different power structure. 
No, it really is. If you find your core identity bedrock in Christ, like um, I'm a white person who's in Christ. Like I'm finding my identity in Christ. And yes, I have white skin or yes, I have black skin. It really does start to solve um, so many of the the issues. It solves things uh, personally and psychologically, right? It solves things uh, relationally. Mm -hmm. It solves things interrelationally. It solves things in terms of uh, energizing your being and living in a whole different way of seeing the world. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, brother. So the the other thing I was going to kind of say was, and it's somewhat related to that, is is kind of the goalposts always are moving. And this is kind of my last thought I'll share. Um, I really have a heart to help Christians know how to engage. I think that there's a silent majority out there that um, is being purposely silenced. I mean, I hear it all the time now from the woke world that's just like, I don't even want to engage with someone who like disagrees. Um, and and it's kind of this bully tactic. And so I've got this heart and desire to help just the typical average Christian who doesn't have hours a day to read the critical theory uh, uh, source materials, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do they even speak and open up? And I think one thing to know is, um, to just understand that the goalposts are always moving. Like one of the reasons why you may feel so confused in the conversation about racism, white supremacy, white privilege, critical race theory is because the goalposts are always moving. And so I've seen this with you and me where I might say something that someone completely agrees with and yet um, somehow I'm still wrong and it's because the goalpost got moved. And I didn't even understand uh, th- that the goalpost was being was being moved where um, where suddenly, even though I said something completely right, hey, find your identity in Christ. It's like, well, no, 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 we're not talking about, well, I thought we were talking about identity though. <laughs> yeah. I, so we're not talking about identity more, you know. So that just happens all the time. The goalposts are always being moved. Um, and, and, and really kind of the most extreme way this happens is like, uh, you know, someone can't refute or disagree anything with anything you're saying. Um, and really it boils down to like, uh, you just need to agree with me. Like, mm. it's kind of like from the woke side of things, what I have found is it's just like if you just don't agree with all things wokeness, it just doesn't, it's like you might as well just stop talking because there's, there's like nothing you can say that that the person on the other side of the conversation will go, you know what? Yeah, like I see that. I agree with that. It's always just like, it'll just boil down to kind of like, you're just blinded by your whiteness and you just don't understand. And it's like, well, can you just tell me where I don't understand? That's where I think it's so helpful. And maybe this would be a way to actually plead with those who would identify themselves as woke and identify themselves with critical race theory to actually um, listen to the black community, to other black pastors and other black leaders that are not in that circle and listen to their perspective. Uh, They're talking about the stuff that's concrete systemic racism um, and certainly there's probably an, an understanding too of white privilege and we can look at that on case by case basis where that actually happens, right? I'm certainly, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist either, but notice we said on a case by case basis because, 
uh, again, uh, identity is not based on race. So it's not based on whiteness. It's not based on blackness. Power is not, your, your identity is not derived by power. So then you either have a white power or a black power. We got to get away from that way of mm-hmm. looking at things because it's not helpful mm-hmm. at all. Uh, and not only that, it's, it's, it's destructive to the gospel, mm-hmm. and therefore it's destructive to us, and it's mm-hmm. destructive to our relationships, and it's destructive to our culture. So anyhow, I just find that there is a growing, rising uh, voices in the black community, yeah. and pastors, and church leaders, male, female, um, uh, civil rights activists that are giving a new perspective or giving a, a an unheard of perspective that might not be in the academy and it might not mm-hmm. be in in white suburban churches yeah and um perhaps just as the call is to listen and to empathize perhaps that would be a very helpful thing mm-hmm. because it's one thing for you and me to say this right um Although we're going to say that because yeah. we've been called as ministers of the gospel, and these are the gospel yeah. issues that we're talking about, I'm always going to talk about, no matter yeah. whether I'm silenced or no matter where I'm called, uh, whatever. Yeah. I'm always going to do that and will till I'm no longer breathing on this planet. Um, but I, I would encourage that there are other voices saying the same thing as yeah. just opposed to uh, you and me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's where even when I was talking about kind of the the bully tactic that can come across, like I've just seen it's kind of like if you disagree, you're just kind of like dead to me. And um, and I think that's where you and I, um, we know that our white skin doesn't uh, prohibit us from just like saying what God's word says and from even speaking on these issues. But it almost like if you just give it to him, oh, OK, I'll give it to you. Let's just pretend like, I'm not allowed to say anything about this because I'm white. Great. I've got a host of black people saying the same thing. Yeah. In fact, really, you and I would probably say, like, that's our primary place we're going yeah. is to... And and it's also, like, we've been listening to and reading um, black people who maybe uh, uh, grew up in a certain culture that uh, allowed them to um, prepare, uh, um, whether it's like a, 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 they grew up in a, a greater financial culture that allowed them to go to uh, college and then get their master's and get their PhD. We're listening to, to people that maybe came from that culture. We're also listening to black people that came from the complete opposite culture. Right. And, um, and so it's like, yeah, I almost want to say like... Just a real urban culture. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's almost like, okay, even if we just said, we'll give it to you, mm-hmm. um, great, go go listen to a lot of these uh, black voices, black people who have been the victims of, of racism. You think of people like yep. Candace Owens, who, w- regardless of what you think about her, I think that she would say she became a conservative, which were, politics is secondary to me in this. I think she said she became a conservative because of an event that happened where she was the victim of racism, like in high school. Hmm. So it's not like, right. Oh, it's just black people who, who don't know. Right. No, we're, we're talking about voices that have been actual victims of actual real, uh, racism. Right. Who still are coming out saying, which is one you know, of our dear friends in the, in the church right. too. Right. I mean, he's, right. he's, he and his family, I mean, he would talk about there's, you know, there's obviously, there's multi-layers to a culture. Uh, 
just as there's multi layers to every family, regardless of your race and regardless of the color of your skin, uh, your family dynamics and culture is different from my family dynamics and culture, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not saying there's a monolithic culture for uh, Hispanics or white or black communities. Um, but there's helpful uh, markers or indicators, right, in talking about this and general shaping influences in society that do impact certain cultures. And, and, and what uh, this particular person was talking about is that there's, we, there's two major markers or two major shaping influences, and that's for the, the urban black and the non-urban black, that each of them have different shaping cultural contexts and influences. And, uh, and so, you know, he talks as one who was, uh, an, an ex Compton gang leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, that brings in a incredible street credibility, correct? Uh, and then he would say, you know, but his children are not. Yeah. And so there's a different, anyhow, I just think that that's helpful to recognize this and it's helpful to listen to uh, multi-voices in this ongoing discussion now that's been at the forefront of the culture and the church now for a good, in more of a heightened, concentrated way for the past eight months. Yeah. Um, ask questions, Christians. Uh, ask questions in the conversation. One thing I found, it's super helpful, is the last thing I'll say, and then mm-hmm. I got to run um ask questions i think ask questions hey show me where do you think i'm wrong like we we want reality and truth Mm -hmm. um we want to be unbiased towards whatever whatever the truth is whatever reality is we want to know it so ask a ton of questions uh, ask questions defining questions what do you mean by this what does this mean what does this mean and just ask 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 and learn and at the end of the day echoing what this um uh, man, uh, husband, father in our church has said, uh, uh, well, I don't know if he, he actually said this, I'm thinking of something else, but love people, right? love people like, um, don't assume something about someone because of their skin color. Uh, don't assume something about someone because they're white, because they're black, because they're brown, or they're one of the like thousand shades in between their political Sh- affiliation, whatever, right? Treat people as you're made in the image of God. Yeah. Um, uh, you're a sinner, but I'm a bet. I bet I'm a worse sinner than you. Uh, we both need Jesus. And, um, my hope is that whoever I'm talking to black, white, brown, whatever, I'm hoping that you and me, uh, are going to worship for eternity in heaven, which will be made up of people from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation, not people, uh, proclaiming how great their tribe, tongue, language, nation skin color are right but saying oh jesus is great Mm -hmm. and jesus saves people from every nation tongue tribe and he brings them together in unity in him to worship forever um that's the movement of the bible the movement of the bible is not into divisions of skin color divisions of nations divisions of languages the movement of the bible is into um how great is the grace of god that it doesn't say you know what uh, people from America, you guys don't get grace. <laughs> you know, I just like Africa better. I like China better. No, yeah. no, no. God's grace is, it has nothing to do with you, right. which is why it's every nation and it's every language and it's every tongue. And so mm-hmm. that's where I want, I know for me on the ground, that's what I want for Redeemer. Mm-hmm. I want Redeemer in a way to notice skin color and notice the God's beautiful design 
but to also like have in mind much bigger things. Oh, without a doubt. Much bigger things. Like, yeah, I know that you're white, but I don't assume that you grew up poor or rich. I couldn't possibly know that without having a relationship with you. Yeah. So I'll get to know you. Yeah. So in conclusion for me, I would say amen. And it just in restating the obvious that the mission of the church is Jesus. Um, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't mean, again, that the contextual uh, variance of the wonders of how God uh, works and has made his world and has made us don't mean anything. Right. But they only mean something because it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. When they uh, either get elevated to identity right. level, Jesus level, God level, you just ruined it. Right. You absolutely ruined it. You absolutely ruined brown eyes and black eyes and blue eyes. You ruined it yeah. because you just made your identity, your salvation, your sense of righteousness, your acceptance, your uh, your enoughness, your yeah. savior, these realities. It's maybe the same thing as doing that with your gifts and your talents and your abilities. It, yeah. Uh, so anyhow, the mission of the church is Jesus because... Jesus is the mission of the church. Uh, There is the power of reconciliation and the power of healing for people individually and for relationships and families and for communities and neighborhoods and for uh, interracial conflicts or stress and strains, which we might or be feeling right now. There's all of that. But if if there is another mission, uh, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. We're absolutely doomed. Um, that's also very utterly important to mm-hmm. us in this conversation. All right. That's it. As always, reach out to us. Let us know where you might uh, be encouraged, where you might totally disagree, and we would love to uh, talk with you. Uh, we'd love to know uh, where we are wrong. Uh, we'd also love to be encouraged. Uh, that's helpful every now and then. So um, until next time. Peace.